and we are back with part four of the history of Miami University swimming and diving with the women's team. And with us, we're focusing on the early 90s. You know, definitely a great time for Miami in the water and in the classroom. And we're lucky to have these four wonderful individuals join us this evening. So um, I'll have them introducing the, themselves, starting with Kim. Okay. Um, my name is Kim Kinsler Weeby now. Um, and uh, I swam at Miami, I guess, from like 86 to 90. Yeah. And uh, um, so, yeah, it was an amazing time. Um, and I now have three boys, uh, 27, 24, and 21. They're all out of the house. They're all off the payroll. <laughs> <laughs> They're all supporting themselves. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I am an empty nester. So it's all good. Um, I actually teach swimming. I do water personal training. I coach. So I coach a summer league team during the summer and I do uh, like swim team groups during the winter and then I do private lessons all ages. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm still into swimming. I, um, so right now during COVID, it's been challenging to get pool time. Um, so um, the guy that I'm dating just so happens to have an endless pool in his house and so I am teaching there, which has been amazing. Um, so, yeah, I, that's what I'm doing. And that's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, yeah. you can go next. Okay. Um, I'm Bonnie Causey Johnson. I swam from 86 to 90. Um, fun fact, KK and I were roommates our sophomore, junior, and senior year. Yep. Um, yeah, I, uh, when I was there, I was a 200 flyer and a 500 freestyler. And my third event uh, was whatever Dave felt like he needed <laughs> me to swim. Despite living with a sprinter, I never became one. <laughs> um, I now live in Norfolk, Virginia. I'm an educational specialist at a um, parochial school. I have uh, three children. Um, one's working on our master's at Tulane. My middle one is a junior at the University of Rhode Island, and she's a swimmer there. And our youngest is a senior in high school, and he just committed to swim for Duke. Um, I kept throwing the Miami Flyers at his dinner plate, but I tried, Tyler. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. If you have to lose anybody, I mean, Duke's a pretty good you know, team in the university to lose to as far as that goes. Wow. Awesome. Uh, Joanne? Hey, um, Joanne sounds really weird, so you can just call me Jo, so, or okay. Jojo, what everyone called me. Um, I'm with these girls. I started in 96, actually came a semester late because I finished my high school in Australia, so I joined these girls in December and went straight on to our um, Florida training trip. So I was thrown in the deep end. Um, I was a 200 backstroker trying to fly on 400 IM. So just stupid events that I did, but um, 
love them all. Um, fun fact, Bonnie, myself and Beth, we're all in the same year and we all share birthdays, 29th of January. So go the Aquarians. Um, I'm from Sydney, Australia, and it was a, a very hard decision in 94 after eight years in America to come back home, but um, best decision I ever made. So um, as much as I regret leaving, it's just been amazing here. So I came back and worked at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and leading up to the Olympics in Sydney 2000, it was an amazing opportunity just to be involved in elite sports, um, but I've now taken a back seat. I'm office manager at our family business. I'm working really hard today, as you can see. Um, I have two amazing kids, a 21-year-old man-child, Mitchell. He's a rugby player. And then Sammy is a little mini-me. She's 16. She was an amazing swimmer, but she just um, dropped swimming, and she's a rugby player now. So she's looking to get a rugby scholarship in the States. So Tyler, if you could speak to your rugby sevens there, she'll be knocking at your door in a couple of years. Um, that's about it for me. Life is good over here. Joe, tell the story about how you found Miami. <laughs> Most people thought I was going to Miami, Florida, but um, my favorite lolly or, um, candy was a Miami Redskin. And so we're not allowed to call them Miami Redskins anymore. And um, they're called um, Miami, they're called Red Rippers now. So kind of like we had to change our name from Miami um, Redskins to Red Hawks. We had to change my favorite candy to Red Rippers. Uh, that's what attracted me to Miami. <laughs> but didn't you, but you thought you were going to Florida, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. at first yeah. I thought, yeah, at first, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> so you were shocked when we left training camp and actually went back to the Midwest. <laughs> well, we Cold have, winter. Everything was snail mail and writing and like, you had to write letters and make ridiculously long, expensive phone calls. So we had none of this. It's amazing how this has all changed everything, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot different now than snail mail and, you know, writing letters for sure. But that's that's quite a story you have there. That's not that's, <laughs> the first, but it's a great story. Good decision. Good decision, though. That's awesome. Uh, and then Jackie. Hi, I'm Jackie Weersma McCown, and I swam at Miami from 86 to 88, and I had an injury while we were at uh, winter training camp in 88, and some other things were happening in life, and so I stepped away from swimming at Miami then. Um, what else? Fun fact for me at Miami, I don't really know, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> um, Everyone thought my roommate and I were twins. I don't know if that's a fun <laughs> fact or not. Um, I currently live in Alaska. I've moved 32 times to get here and we have three sons, um, almost 25. And then our 22 year old is finishing his master's degree at Miami. So we got somebody to drink the Kool-Aid, which was really nice. Um, and then we have a 14 year old who's here with us. And, um, I've been doing a lot of things off and on throughout the years, but mostly I'm a blogger and an author and um, started a not-for-profit, the Fellowship of Female Athletes. So I'm busy doing writing and speaking right now. That's awesome. That is awesome. No, I mean, that's quite a story with what you're doing now and moving 32 times to get to Anchorage. That's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Uh, so to, to start things off here, so what were some challenges that you that y'all faced in the late 80s and early 90s as, you know, being a, a female athlete, you know, just overall with the climate at the time? You know, we were, um, we were not a fully funded sport at the time. I mean, we did have scholarships, but, um, you know, I remember when we would uh, go on road trips for meets and we would stop at Wendy's. We were like allocated like five bucks. To keep. <laughs> yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, we'd sit there and like, okay, if I get a loaded baked potato, I'd have enough for a small frosty. Um, <laughs> You know, we Joe really had to get the cookie. Yeah. <laughs> or not the cookie. We, uh, um, I think a big challenge for all of us is that our practice time was early. So a lot of us really had to juggle our classes, especially as we were becoming upperclassmen around our practice schedule. Um, and our option was to train with the guys team. So we weren't too integrated at that time. I agree with you, Bonnie. I, I also put our transport where we had to drive ourselves to camps and also to swim meets. And I also put um, the training slots. And then I also put, I, I was really pissed off that we didn't get a leather jacket. Like all the boys used to walk around with their leather jackets and we had none. I think we were given a leather maybe a decade afterwards or something a frame but um i was a bit upset with that but um i think coming from sydney australia where the gender divide was even bigger i think the women's teams all bonded together really well and we supported each other went to volleyball games they came and saw us swim we trained with the cross-country girls so i think the women all banded together but there was definitely a divide with the with the men's teams I think the one thing that I put down that was really big for me in my memory was that we transported, we drove ourselves everywhere. And I can remember a time that Amy and I were driving and it was not a safe situation. If I think <laughs> about my sons driving in the middle of the night as exhausted as we were as athletes, it was not safe at best. You know, Jackie, my first week I arrived in America, um, I was put behind the wheel, grave shift, and I drive on the other side of the road, on the other side of the car, and I had 10 women in the back with me. I was like, oh, I don't know how good this Not is. Not a secure but... feeling. Not <laughs> a secure feeling at all. Drive through the night. I remember having the graveyard shift. I think there was a time when Dave took the wrong exit, and didn't we end up like near airport runway or something? <laughs> like he took the wrong exit, we're like circling around. I think my, um, you know, the biggest shock of driving was when he left Kim and I at Purdue. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, we got left. And there's no cell phones or anything at that time. So I don't remember how we figured it out or how, you know, he how he knew we were even getting home. But we left, we, we rode back with the men's team. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he'd ever really knew how we got back. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't. Yeah, parents would be losing their minds. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were seniors. It wasn't like we were, you know, newbies to the team. It was our senior year. He left us at Purdue. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> what were we doing? I don't remember. We were probably just being slow. <laughs> you were drawing your hair. No, I don't know. Well, how does it work now? Like, um, is there professional coach, like bus companies that drive you places? And I remember we used to cram four of us into one little room, sharing beds. And, you know, is that how, how does it work now? Yeah. So for us, you know, it depends on how far we're going away. Pretty much if we stay in state, um, you know, the coaches will just, will like rent minivans, not minivans, but like those 12 to 15 passenger vans. Like you all, you know, just drive, the coaches will drive. The athletes, if we go out of the state, you know, we'll technically take a, a charter bus and, you know, we'll get bus to and from, especially the conference and those bigger kind of meets as well. Um, but with the hotel rooms and everything, it's two athletes to a room and everyone gets their own bed, you know, kind of all as well. So it may be a little bit different. At least it sounds a little different than, you know, maybe y'all had back, you know, in the 80s and 90s. We were on a budget. Absolutely. Yeah, tight budget. <laughs> That's fair. State budget. But I mean, I guess that then at the tour you got, I mean, y'all won multiple conference championships in your time as far as that goes. So did you feel like, you know, because I, I was talking with Lynn and, you know, all of them on the last podcast, and they said that you like, you all were clearly better than the men's team. Did that kind of like bond you guys, get you guys even closer to the fact that you're winning conference championships with maybe a smaller budget than the men's team had? Well, I never I thought about that. Yeah. Pete, Pete was such an amazing coach and the boys team just really respected Pete. So I never thought of it as a, yeah, I didn't think negatively towards them. Cool. I don't think we really, um, knew any better you know we just thought well this is how college swimming is you know you're you're on a budget you get five dollars at wendy's um you know and after i remember after conference championship when he when when nobody really cared what we ate we went to mcdonald's <laughs> but um before that when he cared what we ate you know we got we got wendy's but, um, you know, I just don't think we knew any different. You know, we just thought this is how it is. We drive ourselves, no big deal. We get, you know, tutor room, whatever. But, I mean, we had a blast and we, we did, we did, we did really well. We won, you know, numerous conference championships and it was an amazing time. It really was. That's, that's awesome. I mean, just those great memories and we'll definitely yeah. hit memory road here in a little bit as far as that. <laughs> Um, so I know a lot of you are still very involved in not just swimming, but kind of elite sports and Olympic sports overall. But what would you say are some of the differences from when y'all were college athletes to like what the college athletes have today as far as swimming or just overall like nutrition help or strength conditioning help or just what are the big differences that y'all see from the late 80s and 90s to today? I put facilities as my... Yeah. First one, we swam in a six lane, 25 yard pool. So, and we made it happen though. But um, I see the facilities that they have now and they're awesome. But also I guess uh, the equipment that comes with it and the technology, but I must say Dave was ahead of pretty much everyone else when we came through in regards to doing all of our weight measurements and nutrition and just taking data on absolutely everything so he was ahead of his time i think but 
technology's probably changed a lot these days too, but facilities was my big one. Yeah, we did lactic acid testing. I mean, that was a yeah. not done very much. I mean, that was pretty cool. And I don't think we ever felt like, you know, like BG and OU, they all had those big pools, but I don't think we ever felt like we were left out. Like we had, you know, I mean, of course we didn't have that, but um, I think we were, we were all in, in that, you know, a little tight little pool. It made us all really close. You know, we could see what the distance people were doing. You all could see when the sprinters got to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and that baby pool behind it when we got to get in there. <laughs> I remember once that, Joe, do you remember that one time we were doing, like, we had like 800 flies, and we're <laughs> over there, like, in lane five and six, just dying, and the sprinters are out, and they're in that little 20-yard pool behind yeah. doing yeah. sprints, and we're, like, just dying, doing, you know, those five, 800 flies. easy. Yeah. Well, Dave didn't think I would last. I'm the only one who does not have a monogram name on my parka. He, <laughs> <laughs> he did not get my name monogrammed on there. I think, I really think he was, thought I was going to quit. So he thought, well, I'll just, you know, uh, that way I'll give the parka to somebody else. Oh my goodness, no. <laughs> I think um, we were given one like special swimsuit to wear at max. Yeah. Um, but besides that, we had, I think we would all just wear training suits to our competitions, like our dual mates. And so, and we were given like one or two caps to last the whole, the whole season. So I'm not sure what it's like now, but we just, it was um, very limited with um, what equipment we got. We had to buy all our own um, jumpers. Remember we got those made each year and design our own uniforms and have our tights and high tops and stuff. But yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure the uniforms might've changed a little bit. And the technology and the swimsuits and yeah. I know do you having- guys, Do you guys have a bag now, Tyler? Like are all the girls given a bag of equipment and what are you given now? Yeah, so, you know, when they arrive here their first year, whether that's freshman year or they transfer in, they get, you know, a brand new mesh bag and fins and snorkels and paddles and kickboard and all that stuff. So, you know, that's pretty nice. And that will last them, for the most part, their duration of their career for four years. Um, as far as, like, warm-ups, you know, we have team warm-ups. Uh, you know, each athlete has the same pair of warm-ups. So there are four years as well. You know, it's red, kind of like the color of my, you know, quarter zip right now with the, you know, block M and the pen. I mean, it's all matching. You know, we're very big about, you know, having the team, you know, look good, you know, look good, swim good. That's one of our, I mean, more funnier, like, quotes as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, pretty uniform across the board. I know having a, a student at Miami now, and he actually got to live in the swim and skating or hockey, forgive me that, but I know he got to spend freshman and sophomore year with the swimmers, although he's not one. And so I got to have kind of that inside look at what being an athlete right now at Miami is through his eyes. And for me, it seemed that there was a lot more involvement as far as coaches and support staff involved 
totally in the students' lives, not just as in the pool athletes, um, but even more socially, academically, uh, you mentioned diet, but diet even more so now, just a higher level of involvement and accountability, especially for the scholarship athletes, where I felt we had, we had pretty good support, but definitely not to the all-encompassing level that athletes get now. No, we, did, we definitely didn't have mandatory study halls. No, we did not. <laughs> no. But, you oh. know, I think about how the sport of swimming has changed. You know, we didn't have a 15-meter mark. We weren't rolling over to our stomachs to do a flip turn in the backstroke. You know what, Bonnie? When I first got there, we were doing backstroke starts from the gutter. Do you remember? Like you could stand up out of the pool. That got phased out the first year I was there. I was horrified that you could do that. <laughs> it was always a joke with me that I, and my family teases me to this day, that I'm a swimmer that doesn't like getting wet. So whenever I would have to swim backstroke, I wouldn't get in the pool first. I would just step down onto the gutter to start. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I know, really. <laughs> that's definitely, I, I've never heard that before, but you know what? Hey, first time for everything. No, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. It's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, going down memory lane, what were some of y'all's favorite memories while you were a part of the swimming and diving team? Oh, gosh. Do you guys remember doing those V sit-ups hanging off the side of the yeah. Those were good, hard, fun. <laughs> and we, so we used to, you mentioned quotes. We used to keep um, a quote book of Dave quotes. <laughs> we called them Davisms. And I think Jen Shea and like Jen, Len Jolly, I think they started it and they passed it down to Debbie. And then um, Chris Kermanski's had it for a while. And then we were filling it in. It was all the things that he used to say that, made us chuckle. Can you think of one, Bonnie? I'm trying to remember one. I, mine was always at max, like, because the 500 free was my first event, and I used to always have a horrible in-season with the 500 free, and he's like, you'd be the first one up. You've got to go. You've got to nail it. You're leading the team. How you do, it was like all this pressure to... You know what he used to say all the time? You know... Yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> you know. all nicknames. Well, one of my best memories was uh, meeting Bonnie, my lifelong friend and roommate. Uh, we weren't roommates freshman year, but we were in the same dorm. And so the first day uh, of move in, she comes bounding into my room and she's like, who's the swimmer in this room? And uh, <laughs> that's how we met. And we walked to uh, morning practice every morning together, and we were pretty tight ever since then. So it's it's been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kim was my maid of honor when I got married, and when yeah. our first child was born, my husband and I were stationed in Pensacola, so we road trip up there to see our first child. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's yeah. all. It's really cool how, like, you know, these friendships last for a lifetime. You know, your teammates are four years, but at Miami, it seems like once you're done, you are definitely lifelong best friends, close friends, made yeah. best men the whole the whole nine yards, which is pretty cool to see. 
Yeah, it is Tyler to that end. Um, again, because I didn't swim all four years with the girls, the ladies, um, I don't have as tight knit a long term friendship as they developed in college. But because of Facebook and other wonderful social platforms, it was a really pleasant surprise when so many of us were able to reconnect because I felt like maybe I wouldn't be as part of the group. Um, but I think again, that, that swimming, that chlorine does something to who you are and that you get to share in that, um, has formed some really great friendships across time. And it's not just with your year group either. It's, you know, we're close to the seniors when we were freshmen. Likewise, when we were seniors, the freshmen, you know, we all keep in touch. Yeah. So is that like through like, like Facebook groups or just like group text? messages or like everything that you know as far as that goes uh, everything but i would say we're probably the facebook generation <laughs> yeah. you yes. know that's fair no it, it's really cool that you know y'all are still so close you know your social media platform that's awesome and i know i'm halfway across the world but kk has come over and visited me and yeah. shoot came over and i met beth in new zealand earlier this year so um and I was over at Best last year, so yeah, halfway across the world, and I'm still seeing these guys. So, Jackie, I missed you when I came over, though. I can't believe I didn't even know you're in town. I know. After we saw that, we we found that out with one another on Facebook after the fact, and I was like, "Wait, I'm living in Oxford." <laughs> so, that, yeah, and, that was, and having um, Dave's reunion yeah. a few years back was really fun. Yeah. So to plan another reunion would be awesome. Yeah. Okay, awesome. heads up. There's a dog coming in on me, so don't be alarmed. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. No worries. But yeah, I know, you know, Lynn and all of them in the last podcast were talking about doing a reunion, you know, sometime soon, you know, when you know, the pandemic is over and we can all be together once again so it's definitely in the works i'm not sure how far along in the works it is but it's definitely uh, in the works for sure well it seems like y'all had a great team culture you know just how close you guys are today so just talk about like those things that you know maybe like you guys did once lynn and that generation graduated to keep that team culture you know as awesome and as intact as it seems to be today we were uh, really obnoxious in our cheers <laughs> we were always cheering and the other team I'm sure was like oh but um that was kind of the point <laughs> do you guys still cheer a lot we do we do yeah. uh, lots of cheers uh you know still still I would say one of the more obnoxious teams at max maybe not Good. right now but I I think that we're swimming faster and we're being more loud on deck so i think those two are going hand in hand for us at the moment yeah well joe you had you made a whole book of the cheers i did and i just was laughing um we had so many good cheers but do you remember the one that kelly davis that pork chop pork chop greasy green <laughs> like we had all these really cool ones and then kelly introduced the pork chop one it's like yeah. <laughs> But um, I just think we were so unified. Um, I, 
like you guys said before, I could go to a senior or a junior and just pour my heart out and have so much support. I just think we were so unified. But um, I especially think the week leading up to Max when we would design our own costumes, whether it be the black and orange tights with the red high tops, or we designed our own jumpers and t-shirts and we would do all our own banners. And I remember the banner that we did, we were going for our eighth back and we put that um, eight ball in the corner pocket, to remember that, <laughs> and we lost. And I think it was Bowling Green put a sign up saying, too bad, you scratched. <laughs> do you remember that one? <laughs> So um, I just, that week leading up to Max was amazing. Yeah, and we had, um, we, we had really great parent support. Yeah. Um, and we would do cheers to the parents in the stands and they would yell back at us. And um, the dads would get together and plan a surprise. One year they shaved their legs and they wrote Miami on their legs. And then one year they, they did that on their stomachs. And then... <laughs> I think one year they got boxers and they had yeah. Miami across the butt and they just dropped their <laughs> pants. So the They're parents amazing. really got into it and had a ton of fun. So that was really cool. We had that kept going. Um, none of the other teams did that. So I'm sure they thought we were horribly obnoxious with that too. Um, so yeah, I think we, uh, Dave was really big on carrying on traditions. So uh, he, he really encouraged us to do that. And, and that's something that was important, so. And then Saturday night, we always had a big team dinner wherever we were with the parents after Max. Yeah. And uh, the seniors would get up and talk about their four years of swimming. So it was also emotional. Mm. Kind of, you know, the end of of something you've done for a really long time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for most people especially, right? I mean, you start swimming at age four, six, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're 22 years old, you swim your last meet, and then you gotta talk about it. I would imagine that's very uh, teary-eyed moments across the board, and it's very emotional and from the heart, and that, that's what makes those conversations and talks so special is that people get to, you know, show their true emotions for those two to three minutes they're talking. We were usually so hoarse you couldn't hear what we were saying, but <laughs> from cheering all weekend, but. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, we, we use that platform at our banquet now. Did y'all have like team banquets when you team? Because we normally have ours in April or like May. No, we would just have a post-max dinner at the Sizzler or, I th actually I think we went to a couple of nice restaurants, but um yeah, I've got photos of you guys crying there. Jackie, it was a shame that you weren't there for the long run, but um, yeah, those final moments. We also used to do um, on our Florida trip, um, Dave would take the seniors out for a special dinner. Remember we used to dress up and Dave would take us out for a special dinner, just the seniors. I'm not sure if you guys do that anymore, but that was a cool tradition to pass on. So, yeah, so we actually, we still do that. Uh, so, you know, Coach Holly, the head coach, she takes out the seniors. Then our associate head coach takes out the juniors. Uh, coach Jake does the sophomores, and I do the freshmen. So we still do that. It's their only, like, night off of practice the entire duration of training trip. But, you know, so we all do that. And the older they get, the nicer, you know, venue for their, you know, 
they get that honor and right. And so it's, it's really cool to see that. And we experienced that last year just north of Miami, and that was a lot of fun. So did you guys not stay at the Hansel and Gretel Inn at Boca Raton? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was like budget accommodation, but it was so much fun. We, we always ended up with lizards in our room. Yeah. Yeah. We were on such a tight budget. We used to steal bagels from the dining hall and like load up our bags before we left so we wouldn't have to buy as much food. Yeah. Remember that? Hoarding yes. the Oh, the Hansel and Gretel Inn. I know after I was injured, they had me on like painkillers and muscle relaxants. And I know I laid on that king size bed in that room, like in some kind of blurry existence. And it was a, a interesting memory. I, I imagine with lizards walking around there too, that definitely some uh, special memories popped. <laughs> In that, in the Hansel and Gretel Inn. I've never heard of that. So, oh, yeah. Learning new stuff as the podcast goes on, which is awesome. Hansel and Gretel, I'd forgotten the name of it, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I remember the Hansel. Hansel and Gretel. And the seniors had the um, the house the final year. Remember they had the house or the cottage out the back? Yeah. And you just had to wait till you could get to your senior year. So you didn't have a hotel room. You got, like, the cottage. That was fun. Yeah. Sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. So, I mean, we kind of heard Joe's story earlier about why she chose Miami out of the girls' school there. But, I mean, Joe could tell it again and the rest of you. Like, why did you choose uh, Miami to, you know, to attend your four years of school? So, I guess there is some truth to what I was um, – what I said before. But I think coming from Australia um, – for me, my mum my wanted me to go to a Division One school. I didn't know much about the hierarchy of Division One, Two II and Three, and um, so we were looking at Division One schools and then coming from, you know, a relatively small populated country, um, coming to America, we just, I just wanted to steer clear of some of the bigger populated cities. So, um, Ohio was just in the middle of nowhere, so Oxford, Ohio. So um, once we knew where we were going, um, there was not a lot to get in trouble with, I guess. It was just a really quiet school and it was such a college university. Once the students cleared out at, um, at break time, it was just pretty vacant. You would know that, Jackie, being living there, but... Um, Very vacant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I guess for me, I just wanted a, a, a safe option and pretty, pretty safe option. So with a great reputation, so I guess Public Ivy and Division One. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I went on my recruit trip, it was pouring down rain and it rained the whole, the whole weekend. So it didn't really get a and it was February, beginning of February, you didn't really get a feel for how um, pretty the campus is. And for me, um, it was the team culture because I was that, there and that the team was really close. They were all eating dinner together. And, you know, where I swam, it was kind of a big fish in a really small pond. Um, and I was really looking for that team atmosphere. KK. Oh, I remember um, on my recruiting trip, Jen Shea took me around 
and she was awesome. I loved her, uh, but I wasn't quite sure I even wanted to swim in college. And uh, somehow my application um, got submitted as just a, a regular student and not a student athlete. So I actually got a, a, a ding letter in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, when you're in high school, your your call it your your counselor says tells you that if if you don't get accepted, then you will not make it there. Then it's you know for that reason. So I I got that letter that said I was not accepted, and I was like, well, I'm not going to make it at Miami, okay? So I'm looking at other schools, and then Dave calls and he, he finds out, and he's like, oh no, oh, oh that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, you were supposed to be submitted as a college athlete, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was still kind of like, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I don't, I don't think I'm going to go there. Okay, so then I started looking at other schools, started looking at Michigan State. All my, my whole high school was going to Michigan State. I wasn't going to swim at Michigan State. And then I, I kind of decided, I was like, well, maybe I'll call Dave back. So I call him back. I'm like, hey, I think I do want to go to Miami. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll get you, blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> that's how it happened. And I think it's so amazing that, you know, she, Kim didn't think she wanted to swim in college and she goes and gets her Olympic trial cut in the 53 <laughs> or freshman year. So, you know, yeah, they that... talk about um, female swimmers not necessarily doing well in collegiate um, aspect, but I, I think – um, we can all safely say we kept getting faster in college than we were in high school. Yeah, sure. I, I think that's yeah. a something to be proud of with Miami swimming. It seemed like most of the female athletes that attended kept getting faster. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember, Joe, I remember your, didn't you swim 200 IM or 400 IM in the at max mm -hmm. one year? Yeah, I swam it every year. That was my yeah. Event. That's what I thought. Well, one year I can remember you were just neck and neck with the BG girl. I mean, to the very oh you yeah to the very end to the very end, and then Joe touched her out. Oh yeah, that I remember. My dad was sobbing. <laughs> he was he was crying that when was you sobbing for us. I, I mean, it was I so emotional. I mean, the fifty is down and back, so I mean, you don't you don't have time to get too emotional. But I mean, that four hundred <laughs> IM it went on forever, and then to go down to the last you know hundredth of a second and be touched out, it was amazing swim. I remember that really. Yeah, cool. I, I remember that swim well, Kim. And do you remember the lead up to that? Um, Dave used to make us do. Um, like the dry land training with the paddles and you would do it with a partner and she was yeah. my partner. And so we would simulate a 400 IM, which was ridiculously long. Yeah. And um, shoe, I just remember in my brain the whole time. So that day when I swam that, um, shoe was the only one that was allowed behind the block at the other end because <laughs> she was in my brain doing that whole dry land training. So I remember that so well. Yeah. That was a that was an amazing swim. It was a fun time, yeah. It was. Yeah. So I guess for me on the recruiting front, I'm a little bit different in that I didn't start swimming until I was in middle school and um, really didn't have any aspirations um, beyond high school of swimming, although I did 
fairly well in high school, kind of like what Bonnie was saying, big fish in a small pond. And I'd already moved 20 times at that point. So I really wanted to go somewhere that felt a strong sense of team connectedness. And I visited a lot of division two and division three schools. And quite honestly, people that I was already swimming with were going to those schools and I wanted something new. So when I came to Miami and the student athletes there and the people I got to spend time with during my recruit visit, it was a no brainer. I knew after the first day of being there that Miami was where I wanted to go. I mean, that, that's awesome. We definitely still use that point to, you know, prospective students today is that, you know, when you come to Miami, you're going to feel like you've lived there your entire life. You know, like the people you meet your first day, feel like people that you've known your whole life, you know, no matter if you're from Dayton, Ohio, or if you're from, you know, Anchorage, if you're from Australia, no matter where you're coming from, you know, you're going to get the Oxford. And if it doesn't feel like family, probably not the place for you, but if it feels like home, you know, come join us and come join something special. So my, my final question for y'all tonight is what, like, what's your vision for women swimming and diving collegiately, you know, as a whole and then for Miami? So, you know, I, I live in um, Norfolk, Virginia right now. And um, William and Mary was just really fighting to save their program the alumni came through. So I think um, my concern is just the long-term effects of what's going on in our country. Um, you know, COVID is now starting to rise higher than it ever has. It's really effective. It's really affecting training for a lot of the uh, collegiate teams. My daughter being in Rhode Island's kind of getting some of those effects. I'm, I'm a little concerned about the long-term ramifications for these sports that are not, you know, the money generators like football and basketball. Um, and I hope they can weather the storm. I hope that the um, administrations at the different universities realize the quality of individuals they get in a sport like swimming. Um, you know, I, a little self-serving, but I think these individuals that you get in these um, these sports, you know, they're hardworking, they're determined, they um, they're caring individuals. Because obviously, we're talking about how close our team was back when we swam in the '90s, and we st were still really close. And those are the type of quality individuals that their schools are going to be attracting. And you know, a concern is if they're not. Um, judiciary responsible that some of these programs might start falling off. So hope they figure that out. I feel like that's a good move from what's going on in collegiate sports these days, but I do know um, there is a lot of Australians that are getting um, sports scholarships over there. So there's lots of different programs. So Unfortunately for you guys, you have your own population and then you've got the rest of the world beating down the door as well. So I think it's a really desirable program, what America's set up yeah. in their collegiate spots. It's amazing. So we don't, we don't have the population to sustain something like that. And um, yeah, it's a very desirable program to be over in the States. So hopefully you can get COVID together and keep welcoming international students out of there.
college swimming definitely fuels the Olympic teams for a lot of countries, and it's what's made it such a competitive sport, which is really great. That's, that's very true. And, uh, you know, uh, right now there's this whole international swim league, right? They just had their season two just ended for them this past weekend, and there's so many NCAA All-Americans that did really well. I mean, Lily King did really well, and Townley Haas, and just all these other athletes that went the collegiate route and discovered themselves and are now some of the best swimmers in the world. I mean, look what Lily and, you know, Caleb Dressel, amongst other athletes, have been doing. So it's been really cool to see outside of the Olympics as well, like what college swimming can produce. And I know that being an athlete and being um, a college athlete in particular, swimming is one of those sports that brings and balances the academic platform in many universities. And it may not be politically correct, but I happen to have a little insight behind the scenes there. And um, I know that they rely, a lot of schools that have swim programs rely on swimmers to elevate some of their academic GPA. scholarship <laughs> GPA platforms. And that in and of itself brings a phenomenal caliber of individuals to the university whether it's Miami or any other university with a swim program. And so I hope that, Bonnie, what you're saying is being good fiduciaries, um, the academic component of student athletes will weigh in heavily in that. And it definitely has at Miami. I know this past spring semester, our women's team had a 3.84, um, we're at a 3.5. Um, so the women's team got second in GPA. I believe they lost women's golf, but we're three times the size of them. So I will take that as a win in our favor. Um, but yeah, I definitely think, you know, what we do inside the pool is awesome, but what we're able to achieve in the classroom might e even be better. And we definitely fit that public Ivy mode right now, especially. Yeah. And I think the successes in the pool, um, carry us, whether we swam all four years or like myself, who didn't. Um, I know that when I visited Miami for the first time on a recruiting visit for our son, I got to go see my name in the locker room. Mm -hmm. And um, those kinds of contributions to a team and those memories and opportunities span a lifetime. And so I hope that other individuals in sports get to have those carry through their lifetimes as well. No, that's, that's really cool. You mentioned there, Jackie, because we still do that. You know, that still happens, you know, even today. There's a guy I swam with who graduated in 2014 from Miami, and his name's still in the locker room. So, it's, I mean, that's recent, but they go all the way back to, you know, the 70s and 80s and just throughout. So it's really cool to see tradition stay with Miami. And one more question about tradition. So I don't know if this is part of y'all's era or something like that, but we have this tricycle that we've had and we've heard it's a women's team tradition. I've asked almost every podcast with the women's team if that's part of their tradition. And they, they keep saying no. So was that a part of y'all did? Tricycle? No. We used to do the bike race. Yes, we did the bike race. Yeah, we we had formed oh, teams. Any bike race, yeah. But that was um, the MU. Yeah. Yeah, bike race. But a tricycle, 
That's different. No? Okay. I just I'm gonna keep asking every single you know, <laughs> decade I get until someone finally says yes, that was us. That it's like a you know, it's like a Barbie style, like <laughs> Dave forgets when it was as well. So I've just been asking and I hope they get the answers at some point here soon. But I just I think it's very cool and we still have it in our equipment closet. So oh. after nineteen ninety. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Sure. Awesome. Well, I wanted to thank you guys for joining you know, me this evening and telling your stories about the Miami Pass and everything you all achieved you know, in the classroom and in the water. It was great to hear all your stories. And as always, whether it's a short drive up to Oxford or a flight, you always have a home here at Miami. And anytime you're here, you know, please let us know. We'd love to hear your stories and hang out more once the world is back to a safe place. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Yes. Oh, anytime, anytime. Awesome. Well, have a great rest of your night, and we hope to hear from you all soon. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome.